0: And welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM.
1: G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our Drive Time, Afternoon Drive Time program, July 26, 2022. Hunty. G'day, Mike. My listeners. Welcome. It's good to be here as always. It is. You feeling good? Feeling good. Recovered from the flood of a few weeks ago? Uh, no. God was good to me. The place went under 1.6 metres. But I had yourself, but I had my brother. Yep. My two brothers, my cousin. Yep. And John helping me. Yep. And I was very, very grateful for those five guys. Yeah, they worked like machines. It was really, really good. Was. Um, and now i probably got, I don't know, six or seven Sundays left to get it back to a place where I would be happy. I've got to put um, metal sheeting up now where the gyprock was in yep. the entrance of my house. Yep. So that if it floods again, all I've got is metal and not yep. gyprock. Let the water drain. Yeah, yep. let the water drain out no damage as i mentioned before after this flood the big deal and it was a huge deal was the mold i never seen anything like it hunting mm, yeah so another week or two yet uh, i'll get around to it and i'll start on my sundays and yep. i'll get right in to fixing that and there's the up. outside too mate. we've got to move those logs and all that stuff that floated in yeah
2: yeah something so, nothing so
1: that no that is a big deal <laughs> have to get the chainsaw onto that and I'm probably more concerned about the inside than I am the outside. Yeah, that mould was
2: standing on those on those walls. Uh,
1: it was very... And mm. In fact, um, I've got to go out there and, and clean the windows because there's mould on the windows oh, too. Oh, dear. And the only way I can think of that... I, I haven't talked to you about this, Hunter, yet, but if you're going to clean the windows, can you hire, like, a cherry picker? Yes, does,
2: absolutely. Does, does
1: that sit on uneven ground? Yeah,
2: like? Easily, pe- Easy, yeah. They've got hydraulic
1: stabilisers that come out. Well, I hope... I hope it's not too expensive because I think I'm going to have to get one for a day and then I'll put you in it. I won't go in it. I'll, I'll stay downstairs okay. and I'll hand you up. <laughs> well, I'll
2: happily, I'll happily tow it across and get it going
1: for you. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, look, it's been a big deal. I know it's a few weeks uh, ago now, but when you have a, a flood like that go through your house, it, it, it has a, a deep impact on well, you. Well, it doesn't us.
2: We lost our TV studio.
1: Yeah, Matt, it wasn't the only thing we lost. But as mm. I said mm. before in the previous program, at least we got all the equipment going. When I say equipment, tractors and ride-ons and... You know, Generators even the generator, and water pumps. That was amazing that that generator... Because you were really worried about it. You said, oh, there's, there's going to be issues with this I thing. I was con- concerned. We dried it out. We got it going. The moment it got going, my brother went and got a drill. And yeah, electric uh, yeah, like drill, yeah. And off she went. Oh, I thought, man, God... You are, this has been a disaster, but you are so good. And he is, isn't he? Absolutely. Even right. in the disaster, he's good. And as I mentioned to our listeners uh, a week or so back, we've got this reasonably new studio that's been given to us by Mr. Schofield, and we're very, very so grateful. grateful for that. Oh, yes. He's a good man and very generous. And
2: we're starting to make it feel like home, which is good.
1: Well, you've got a little bit of work to do on it yet. A uh, lot. You've, <laughs> you've got the radio kind of finished, but even that's going to change. The next week or two, you can build a
2: you are going to make it better.
1: Television studio here.
2: Hey, we've got a great program coming up today, too early. listeners. Too early. Too early to tell. The handbrakes yep, hand yep. in full force. <laughs> well, what happened on this day?
1: You forgot about that, didn't you? I wanted to tease our listeners July who's coming up. July 26. Yep. What happened on July 26? Some big things. 1267. The Inquisition was formed by Pope Clementine the Fourth. The infamous Inquisition, which was responsible for the deaths of thousands and thousands of people, some followers of Christ, many not. And that was found in 1267. 1775, I like this, the U.S. Postal Service was established by the Second Continental Congress and Benjamin Franklin, you've heard of him. I have. Was named the first Postmaster General. To this day, the Postmaster General's important job in the United States. Well, that began this day, 1775. 1788, New York, you've been there. mm Became the 11th state to ratify the US Constitution. Means they became the 11th state to join the Union. Cool. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, What about this one? The capital of New Zealand moves from Auckland to Wellington back in. (laughs) I do remember actually that it did move. Uh, I'm trying to, I was supposed to write this down, was it 1964, was it? I'm going to get back to you on that because I, don't I know. didn't write it down, but it happened on this date somewhere back in the... I s- was just
2: surprised when I first learnt that piece of information. Why would you move from a warmer climate down to a blizzardy Arctic climate?
1: Wellington's a pretty pretty place. It genuinely is.
2: Now let me stir up my New Zealand friends by saying <laughs> it's colder than the freezer in my house. <laughs>
1: It is windy. And it's windy. I remember landing there one day. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> In 1868, the 14th Amendment to the US Constitution, which granted citizenship, would you believe this, and equal rights to African Americans and slaves who had been emancipated after the Civil War entered into force. That, that didn't happen until 1868, three years after the end of the Civil War, where mm. it, it is unbelievable, isn't it, that Jeez. people of colour, in the United States of America, at one stage, weren't really seen as citizens. But mm. from 1868 onwards, they were. It wasn't the end of their... Uh, Sadly, our track record here. Struggle. It ...is equally as embarrassing. Yeah. Mm. In 1919, on this day, the Chicago race riots. It was ignited after a young black man was stoned and drowned in Lake Michigan for swimming in an area reserved for whites. That and just goes how to disgraceful show... disgraceful is that? Look at that. From 1868 to 1919, 100 years ago, they were having trouble and still are. In 1948, U.S. President Harry S. Truman signed Executive Order 9981, which abolished racial segregation in the U.S. Army. That didn't happen until 1948. Crazy. Have you been to the Maldives? Yes. Have you? Yes. Beautiful islands. Spectacular. Well, in 1965, the Republic of the Maldives gained independence from Britain. Okay. So this is a big day for them. Cheers. Happy Independence say, Day. We, we say yeah. say Happy Australia Day? Would yeah. you say Happy Maldives Day? Oh, I, Happy Independence I, Day. That's what they yeah, say in the US. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. 2020, I don't know whether you've ever heard of American actress Oliver de Havilland, who won the Academy Award Olivia. for performance. Olivia de Havilland. What did I, have have heard I of say? Oliver. And I said, Oliver. I said Olivia. Did is you? Did no. Say, Oliver? Doesn't matter. Olivia. <laughs> oh, man, I don't even know what to say half the time. That's dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Who won an Academy Award for her performances in To Each His Own and the Heiress? She died. Do you know how old she was when she died last No idea. In 2020? 104. Good honour. I don't reckon you or me are going anywhere near this. (laughs) So, pretty big day in news. It is. This particular day when you look at history. Now, Hunty. Now, it's time for me to tell you, listeners. Share with us what is coming on this radio show. We
2: managed to get back Simon. I don't know if you remember Simon from last week. I do. We managed to get Simon back. Later this afternoon, I'm looking
1: forward to interviewing him
2: and his story. It blew me away last week.
1: He has two more stories that are very, very moving. This guy has lived some life. Looking yes. forward to
2: that interview. Yeah, me too. And we've got Harold, our resident historian.
1: Yeah, and he's going to bring us another story from history on a guy's last name was Cameron. This is an exciting interview hunting. Now we are glad you're here. Yes. We pray that God will bless you. I want to start for prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, be with us in this program. I pray above all else and above everything else that your name is lifted really high and that our listeners will see you and all your beauty and your glory and your power is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is a song I've been singing since I was a small boy. It's an oldie. Yep. But as my mum and dad would say, it's a goldie. Isn't goodie. Oldie and a goldie. Yeah. Yep. Or a goodie. Or whatever you want to know. Isn't the love of Jesus something? Isn't it something? And it is. Isn't it something wonderful?
3: There will never be a sweeter
0: story. Story of the Savior's love
3: divine
0: Love that brought Him from the realms of glory
3: Just to save a sinful soul like mine Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful, wonderful Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Wonderful it is too Beyond all human comprehending Love of God and Christ, how can it be? This will be my theme and never-ending Great redeeming love of Calvary Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful, wonderful? Is to me. Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Oh, isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful,
1: wonderful? It is to me. Isn't the love of Jesus? <laughs> something very wonderful I'm, I saw can, that you can hear me laughing a little bit because he <laughs> had his fickle finger I, on the mute I, button I, I give Hunter a hard time <laughs> over the transitions God. in this program sometimes but the truth is I'm guilty of it probably more times than you I mate. like it when I catch you it's fun well usually when it happens to me it's my fault when it happens to you it's your equipment lagging on yourself well that's what I tell you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got there. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? Amen. Hey, I actually know. I was talking to you as that song was um, playing, hunty. Some of this music is new to those who are listening from our secular audience. Yes. It kind of sounds different, and it is different. Uh, music, that is spiritual music that's dedicated to God is quite different. It can take some getting used to when you're not used to it. True, hunty? Well, I came, I came in from way outside to Christ. Yeah, I must
2: admit, I do like... I do like my secular
1: music. Uh, I, I've, You know what? And I say this honestly without condemnation of you or anyone else. The closer I get to Jesus, the less secular music has an influence and impact in my life. Yes,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm slowly winning myself off it.
1: I haven't even tried. I just, I don't know, I just find that a lot of the stuff, and I won't name it because I don't want to be vindictive or judgmental, but a lot of the stuff I used to listen to, it just has no... Um, What's the word traction no in my appeal. life? Then, yeah. yep. And that's without judging anyone else. Of course, I actually recognize music's pretty powerful. But if, if you're listening to our station for the first time and you're into some of these programs, because uh, I remember when I first came to the Lord Jesus Christ, some of this music sounded pretty weird. But the more you get into Jesus and the more he touches your life, kind of there's a gentleness that he brings to you and you find yourself more and more attracted to this this beautiful music. And that song, the words, are sp- oh, look, I like the tune, it's a boppy little tune. But I really like the words because as you if you get to know Jesus and you're born again, the love of Jesus is something really wonderful. And there are times when I'm doing my Bible. I don't know about you, I think it'd be the same. There are times when I'm doing my Bible study in prayer, especially in the mornings when I'm fresh I, I I usually the Lord usually wakes me up about five o'clock and I'm getting into my Bible. I'm into First Peter at the moment and into my prayer and and it's in my Bible study that the Lord talks to me most powerfully that sometimes I just get really emotional when i'm contemplating the love of jesus mm. for me cuz i'm yeah. I, i'm such an unworthy character i think yeah.
2: i think you and i both get emotional because i think you know the more you're forgiven the more debt you feel in your heart and i know you and i have both been forgiven a lot
1: we have i, I feel like i've come to jesus from a long long way away mm. and and i still feel like i got a long way to go mm. but and, and i still make some stupid mistakes um but It's the love of Jesus and his mercy and his grace and his long-suffering. No matter what happens to me, I will always know that is there. Mm. And it is wonderful, man. The love of Jesus is wonderful. Hey, news. News time. (sighs) When I went through some of these news articles, I could almost see you salivating. (laughs) These are some pet. I never chose them for this reason. (laughs) But, But these are some pet subjects of yours. I do have some hobby horses that I like to ride. Hey, We talk about this a little bit, but rate rises on housing. One of the things this article that I was reading um, in news.com made very clear is that the governor of the Reserve Bank, up until just a few months ago, had been telling home borrowers that there would definitely be no rate rises until 2024. Yep. And he was saying, go out. Borrow,
2: borrow, borrow, borrow. And that's what they've done. Well, you could lock in a sub-2% loan last year.
1: There are a lot of of people where I live who have got loans upwards toward $1 million. Praise God I'm not one Mm. of them. I actually financially couldn't cope with that. I'd roll over and go broke. I just don't get the wages to cope with those sorts of loans. But there are ordinary wage-earning Aussies who went out and took these loans. On the advice of the Reserve Governor of the Bank of Australia that, interest rates would not go up until 2024. Mm. And this article, pretty scathing, actually, mm. attacks the Reserve Bank and says, well, you gave wrong information to Australians that they counted on, yep. and now many of them are under severe financial strain. Well,
2: they're saying over the next week or two that people with what I call a McMansion, a six $700,000 mortgage, in
1: Hey mate 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 let me hold let me hold you <laughs> up right there you don't need a McMansion for that brick home single story one bedroom well, they're million one, dollars not one there. bedroom one garage yeah. and you and I've talked about this on this mm. show before mm. how offended I am at a one garage house yes me too <laughs> But with one gar, they're paying up to a million dollars. They are not McMansions, my friend. McMansions are going for two and three million dollars. Well, any either
2: way, if you've got a six or seven hundred thousand dollar mortgage in the next few weeks, your mortgage could have gone up over a thousand dollars a month.
1: Is it a portrayal of the Reserve Bank? I think I
2: think it's also indicative of the fact that a lot of our leadership, and I'm not going to be political about this, but they don't understand how the majority of us are living. I heard one of them say yesterday that. Oh, well, interest rates have been cheap. People are ahead on their mortgages. They'll be fine to ride this year. I
1: heard that too, and I thought, No,
2: wow. no one's riding out another $1,000 a month on their mortgage, no. another $300 a month on their fuel bill for electricity and, and, and you know run their cars.
1: I reckon it would be more than $300 a, a month. People are tapped out already. They are. They're under a lot of pressure. They're yeah. under a lot of stress. Um, look, I, I suppose you could mount the argument that we should have known better when we were taking these loans that they were so... Low, the lowest I think in the history of Australia. We should have known that the only way was up. Well, I'm so old. Like I took my first loan when they were eighteen percent. Yeah, they, that had
2: just broken. They were different it? times. That was just I coming down. I got mine at fifteen and sixteen. They were different times.
1: We were taking loans back then of a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I know, right? These guys are taking loans today. These young people are taking loans of eight, nine hundred a million dollars. Yep. And so you get these tiny movements of interest rates that puts them under enormous pressure. Look, the best advice I can give you is is twofold. Be careful when you take out a loan of any type and make sure... I I think it's wise. I'm not a financial planner by any stretch, not by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) But I reckon you need to be able to, and and this will scare people, but I reckon you need to be able to envisage rate rises to at least 8%, 10%. Yep. Well, you can't get a fixed loan now for under about 6 Really? Mm. And that's happened in the last couple of days. So that, that they are going up Yep, and fast. Yep. God bless you if you're out there struggling. Oh, oh, I really mean that too. May God bless you. May mm. he give you wisdom mm. to know what to do. And through the stress, never forget, and I mean this too, never forget Jesus is there, and whether you've made good or bad decisions when it comes to taking loans for homes, he gets it. And I believe he will help you through if you're asking. You know, I, I was
2: talking to a mate last night who's... Renting six fifty a week, not far from us. His real estate agent just sent him notification it's going to over nine hundred in the next month.
1: Hey, bro. Yeah. We know for a fact that your mechanic is paying in our suburb, Riverston, Yeah. One thousand dollars a week rent. Ah, oh dear. That's your mechanic. I'm oh not going to name who he is, of course. But hey, he's, he's a good th- guy. $1,000 a week for a house not as big as the one I'm renting. That scares me. My rental agreement's not up till March. <laughs> I, I'm seriously thinking, what am I going to do? Because, yeah. I, 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 look, I'm, I'm saying it. I, I'm like the rest of you out there struggling. Yep. I don't know how to pay for these rental rate. I, I, it's impossible. I want to know who's affording...
2: Why is there still a high demand for houses in Sydney? Who is affording a thousand dollars a week? Hey, hey,
1: mate, if you go into my street, you're going to see a whole heap of cars. Yep. You can't get a park in my street. I can't get a park in front. I found that offensive to start off with. (laughs) My neighbour's parking in front of my rental house. That's my parking zone. That's it, how I used to think of it. It is but, a paradigm shift, isn't it? But what's happening is you're getting multiple families yep. living in the one home. And I think that's what it's coming it's down to. what it's to. come down to, yeah. A lot of us are going to have to rely on moving in with family. I've even thought of moving back to Brisbane to move into my mum and dad's home.
2: You know, I was when I moved from Riverstone, I was just doing my last drive around the suburb on a Sunday. A lot of the garage doors were open and I was so surprised. A lot of the garages have been fitted out. Yep. As an extra bedroom.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's to fit multiple families. Yep. Look, it's yep. not such... I don't think we should criticise it. I don't think it's a bad idea. No,
2: no criticism from me. Good on you. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah. I think it's coming to a time where we are going... If we've got family, we're going to have to rely on family together. Yep. United we will get through it. Yep. Um, but there are many out there who don't have family. Oh, look, I don't have family in Sydney. I don't have family, mate, within 1,000 kilometres of this city. Mm. That's why I've been thinking about Brisbane. Mm. Can we still do the radio program from up there? Of course. It's an internet connection for us. (laughs) (laughs) What about this one? Outrage at Qantas price rises. Now, the outrage, if you read I'm outraged. (laughs) Of course. Of course. The the outrage is not because of the Qantas price rises. I think people understand that. The outrage is the Qantas executives giving themselves huge bonuses, up to $1 million, while raising prices.
2: Yes. I mean, I understand that fuel prices have gone up. (laughs) I understand that there's ridiculous staff shortages due to COVID and other reasons, and there's a lot of recruitment issues. I fully understand that, but I also want to not to forget that the government bailed out Qantas with a lot of money. And now for me to be seeing them offering executives million-dollar bonuses, I think, well, that's basically just giving taxpayers' dollars to their
1: executives, really. It's not like Qantas has done that outrageously good in the last year or so. Now, look, to be fair to Qantas, how could you do good in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic? It's impossible. But it, it is a bit rich, I suppose, when you I don't think that passes the pub test. Do we have pub tests on the
2: that's an, show? That's an Australian saying oh. that means when guys get around the pub and chat about it, basically everyone is disgusted or displeased. And yeah. I think a million-dollar bonus is to a company that was just bailed out by the government... <laughs> Does not pass the pub test. Apparently,
1: Qantas went within eight weeks of being broke.
2: And that would have been a tragedy. I'm glad we have a national carrier.
1: Well, they're not really a national carrier. No, and I'm sad they're not owned they're, by they're, Australia they're, still. They're just uh, another company. private company. I, mm. I mean, mm. they're no more national than Virgin Did you know you can
2: China. fly to Fiji for less than you can fly to Alice Springs from Sydney right now?
1: Well, there's a reason that this come well, in, in the next day or two, you and me are going to get in a car and drive to Perth. Yes. Uh, actually, it's not because of the air things. We're going to do some work on the way across. Uh, okay, uh, moving on from Qantas. Yes. Aussie homes are too cold. Here we go. My we favourite
2: go. hobby horse.
1: Apparently, our houses just aren't built. Uh, interesting to me, you've got the Poms, the English over there. They've been going the last few weeks through these massively hot days. Yes. Their houses are not made for the summer. That's Ours right. Are. That's right. Uh, well, I mean, they are. they're double glazed. They just don't have air conditioners. Well, apparently, they're struggling. You can have a 45, 50-degree day in a lot of Aussie houses, certainly not all, but the ones that air condition, you're going to be okay, correct? Kind of, correct. Well, on the 50-degree days we have, and we've had a few of them here in Sydney, I have noticed the air-conditioning really <laughs> struggles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear. But, but apparently our houses are too cold in winter and some of our older folk, pensioners, who are not um, confident in being able to pay their power bills, usually, by the way, they can, hunty. They're just... Let me, let me explain. I, I, I see that fear... In my mum's and oh, dad, yeah. who oh, yeah. can pay for the power bill, but they don't put on their, they don't put on their, their heater because they're worried about the power. Well, bill. And apparently, some of them are dying. Let me give you
2: some history. Houses through the '50s, '60s, '70s, and '80s were built cheap, not double glazed, not well insulated, and not protected from the elements because it didn't matter. If it was cold in winter, you just put a heater on. Mm. Power was cheap. We have plenty of coal and plenty of power. Well, power's no longer cheap. No. So we need to rethink our houses. that need to be insulated in the roof,
1: double-glazed on the not windows. Not so easy, bro. No, it's not easy. Uh, you, have you ever tried to insulate a house after it's been built? I did. I did that to a house, yes. It's, it's, it's actually almost impossible. It's hard. How are you going to insulate underneath the level of your noggins in your wall? Well, what I did was I got that
2: um, insulation they spray in with yeah, the huge big yeah, you're, hose you're in the roof. You
1: get, how do you get it above the top plate into your wall?
2: Not easy, no a blanket in the roof is a good thing Cuts yeah, out but some I'm, heat in, yeah but in a, lot, summer a lot of the cold, keeps your heat a lot in the of winter. the
1: cold is coming through your floor fr- through your through your um walls and your floor.
2: did you know there was a, a recent survey of Australian homes we're almost coming last in the world. The average temperature in an Australian home now is less than eighteen degrees right now. yeah,
1: good sleeping no
2: no, oh, I love sleep it actually causes cold. depression. If, you, if your house is
1: so cold. I love sleeping in the cold. In fact, <laughs> we put the heater on at night. Yeah. Uh, and we can't really afford it either, but we just do it, running an overdraft until the tax return. <laughs> but we put the heater on. But when I go to sleep, mate, I turn that heater off and I open the window. Wow. Well, I'm under two dooners with my wife next to well, me. Well, there you go. Warm as a bug in a rug. But the, but the reality is... Um, there are a lot of people suffering at the moment.
2: I mean, the other week, someone in Sydney tried to put a, a barbecue heater, a barbecue into yeah, their really lounge, right. to heat the house up, and nearly poisoned themselves to death with gas. Yeah,
1: serious stuff. Um, good news story. You want some good news? Yes, today? please. Some good news. Is it time for some. I mean, we've talked yes, about please. rate rises. Bring me some good. news. Quan'sous outrage and cold Aussie homes. Yes. How about this one? After 399 days, yes. so I say, praise God, a man leaves hospital, finally recovering enough from COVID to go home. Yes,
2: thank goodness. So
1: don't ever tell me COVID's not real, that it doesn't have an impact on people, and it isn't causing anxiety, stress, sickness, and sometimes, unfortunately, even death. This, this guy, poor guy.
2: As I said, this poor guy was in a coma for three or four weeks. Yep. And when he woke up out of his coma, he didn't even know his own name.
1: He couldn't breathe properly for months. Yep. But after 399 days, he's gone home. Man, congratulations. God bless you. We wish you a long, long life. So, Hunty. Yes. If good things happen, and I think this guy falls into that category, praise God. Amen. When the bad things happen, well, keep praising God. Look up. Recognize that Jesus is coming soon. And as long as he is in your heart, no matter what the world throws at you, you're going to be okay.
0: You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM.
1: This is, uh, by the way, I forgot to say who sang that first song, In uh, the Isn't the Love of Jesus Something Wonderful. Man, I am sometimes a very bad radio announcer. <laughs> <so.
2: laughs> we're one of the few, we're, we're, we're in a minority now. A lot of radio stations now just play music and you've no idea who sings it.
1: It's it's the Moore family. That's you're right, was that the Moore family. Yeah, yeah that, that, if you Google them, they sing some really nice songs. They're a family. Do you know uh, you who's know singing this next song? I do. Got oh, good. Uh, the Collingsworth family. This is another family, but these guys are top line. Yes. If you look at an American spiritual music, religious music, music that's dedicated to Jesus Christ, these guys are the very top, and they sing beautiful. And by the way, beautiful music. And this song, Hunty, isn't the love. Of, I'll show a little bit of love and kindness. Love this song. Uh, my wife is one of the leaders in the music in our church. Sure is. And I said to her last night, I'm helping to put it together because you got the music at church this week. Hey, you're welcome to New Hope Church this week. You betcha. Where is the
2: Uh Behind the Aldi in Quakers Hill, 4 Samuel Place. Misses. I, I can never remember In the verse. Life Anglican Church. Yeah, beautiful church. Saturdays, 10 a.m.
1: My wife is leading the music this week, yep. and I'm helping to select it. I said, oh, let's sing this one, Show a Little Bit of Love and Kindness. It's in my head because we've chosen it for this. Yep. I said, oh, I'm getting too old. It takes a lot of energy to sing this song. <laughs> So if you come to New Hope this week, we're not singing this song, but you can hear it on this radio station, Faith FM, on the Aussie Past Afternoon Drive show. It's a beauty from the Collinsworth family. Show a little bit of love and kindness. Well, Miss Emma, I see
2: you have your microphone with your name on it. And I know before you left over there, You took your union card and you put it in the time stamp machine and she is ready for business. She's like, Papa, let's get this thing on the road. Every night for the last five years, the Collinsworth family have sung this old classic that John W. Peterson wrote 45 years ago. But it brings new life when you got a two-year-old singing it with you. This is exciting. Show a little bit of love and kindness.
3: Show a little bit of love and kindness go round with hatred's blindness. Take a little time to reach for joy and wear a happy face. Take a little bit when the days are dreary. Give a little help to a friend that's weary. That's the way to make the world out.
1: the program again today. He is our resident historian. Are you there, Harold?
4: Yes, I am. Lloyd, it's great to be with you again with another fantastic story.
1: This is a fantastic story of a man called Richard Cameron. But before we get there, I call you our resident historian because, in fact, you are a historian in some ways. You've led how many trips, mostly of pastors and teachers, to Reformation Europe?
4: I've led 25 groups of people and uh, through Reformation places of Europe and also through the Bible lands.
1: That must be, what, 30 years or more of
4: leading groups? Yes, I've been going for about 30 years, and each time I would go myself on my own to find out all the details and then research it so that I knew exactly where we were going and what happened and when and so on.
1: Okay, and you would have done that, as I remember, being one of the uh, key leaders in the Adventist church here in Australia too. You, would have been, you were the president of the church in Australia, well, at least some part of Australia for many years. Is that correct?
4: Eastern Australia and New Zealand for 15 years.
1: In fact, uh, when I first started ministry, you were my boss. You probably don't know that, but you were my boss. <laughs> um, I didn't know you very well then, although I knew, I knew your daughters and I knew your family. I just didn't know you, so he was up there in his ivory tower, hunty. That's what um, I was thinking, yeah, the ivory tower. Yeah, we, we the, had to The be,
2: minions his slave away <laughs> in obscurity.
1: <laughs> we had to be very careful back then, didn't we, hunty? We did have to be careful. <laughs> so you've been leading these trips through Europe. Tra- it was really their training trips, is that correct?
4: Yes, I've always been fascinated in history. I call history his story because it shows how God has worked in people's lives and has led his people all through the ages. And to find different examples of that, it just thrills me through and through.
1: Well, you're finding story after story. I I guess you were leading these trips, what, for 30 years? How how many people over that time did you take to Europe and train and teach? Tell Actually, when you were over there, because I went on one of these trips, Hunty. Trip of a lifetime. Really? I still think one of the best trips I ever went on.
2: Ooh, even better than our trip to
1: Israel with Pastor Harker? What do you reckon, oh. Harold? <laughs> I would call it a tie, wouldn't you?
4: Oh, well, to go where Jesus was, that's always special. Oh, but to yeah. see his work in the lives of people, that's also wonderful, too.
1: Okay, Hunter, <laughs> that does it. Israel was the best trip Woo-hoo. ever. But you know why? Yep. Not because I was with you. In fact, when we went there we used to hire when we went to Israel we hired two rooms, Do you remember Yeah, one for Harold and I, one for you. Do you know why I put you and Harold in together?
2: Because you're a you're a because you're hotel a hotel you, snob because you're a
1: snorer <laughs> and I knew Harold would put up with it better than me. <laughs> I, I, I liked Israel the best. Here you go. You
2: do know that you snore too, don't you? No, I don't. Oh, no, I'm sure I don't. Those nights we spent in Jordan in the same hotel,
1: oh, I have never heard myself snore. I videoed it. Listeners, would you like me to play a <laughs> no, sample we'll of that uh, hey, hey, little let's, concerto? <laughs> let's move on. Okay. I liked Israel the best because it was the story of Jesus. Yeah, me too. I was very touching. Mm. But the, 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 <laughs> the thing that is in common with my trip to Reformation Europe and to Israel is that Harold led both of them. Yes. And we're very appreciative. And you get these stories that you're sharing with us on radio, Harold, from the years of experience you've had of meeting these men and women, and I say that symbolically, as you travel throughout Europe. You meet their lives, don't you? That's right. And this guy we're talking about today, Richard Cameron, is an amazing fellow, uh When and where was Richard Cameron
4: born? Well, he was born about 1648 in Falkland, which is in the area of Fife, and if you want a bigger description, that's in Scotland. So he was a Scot.
1: Ah, he was a good old Scottish man. He was born 10 years after the National Covenant was signed, and most of our listeners including me when I first looked at this man's story with you, we don't know what this national covenant is. What is it about and how did it impact Scotland and perhaps greater Britain?
4: The Scottish people didn't like what the King Charles of England was going to force on them, and so they got together and signed what is called the national covenant. They all gathered in, in Edinburgh and in other places to say that God was king and the king was under him. The king of England wasn't in control, but God was in control, and they would live that way, and it signed some of their beliefs as well.
1: Was this an early movement of separation of church and state?
4: It was the attempt by the king of England and his bishops to enforce English church practices, the Church of England, onto the Scots, and they resisted that.
1: It's interesting to me, Harold, that, Even today when you look at people, no one wants to be forced when it comes to religion.
4: Well, God doesn't force anyone. He invites us, he knocks on our door, but he doesn't force. He's always pleading for us to follow, but he leads, we must follow.
1: The the Episcopalians are central to this story. Who are they and why were they enforcing worship on Scotland? I think you might have already answered that a little bit, but just expand a bit more.
4: Episcopalian is not the name for the Church of England, and the King of England, Charles I at this time, was pushing the English church practices onto the Scots, and they resisted that, and Cameron started out attending the Episcopalian church worships.
1: So in some sense, this is not... A lot of the stories we look at, it's Roman Catholic v. Protestant. This is actually Protestant v. Protestant. That's right, but you've got the Protestant Church of England using the tactics of Rome on the burgeoning Protestant Church of Scotland. Am I seeing that right?
4: Yes, it was the high. The Church of England has the high church and the low church. Low church is more evangelical. Yeah, but this was the high church practices with the bishops in control and the king over the bishops.
1: Just for interest's sake, the Anglican Church in Australia would be more. Low church, is that correct?
4: Yes, but you do have a mixture in different places.
1: Okay. So if you look at the Adventist church, it would be more like the Anglican low church than the high church. Yes. Yeah. So the Anglican low church is perhaps, am I right in saying, more Protestant?
4: Yes, probably.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, let's go back to Cameron. He's a young man. What career did he first embark on?
4: Well, he started out as a parish school teacher, and... Uh, So he met with the kids of the area and that was his first job in life.
1: Okay, and and I found this interesting. He actually taught the children of a famous Scottish novelist. And this guy, you're talking world famous even today. Tell us about that.
4: Well, Sir Walter Scott is one of the highlights of the Scottish um, writers. And this guy, Richard Cameron, he had to tutor his kids
1: but it didn't go real well in the end.
4: No, it didn't, because uh, Cameron was following what became known as the Covenanters, and these Presbyterian uh, Scottish pastors had left the church and would have meetings out in the hills and the dales, and Cameron was following them more than the Church of England.
1: These Presbyterian Scottish pastors, again, and I want to just talk about doctrinally, they were more Protestant than their Anglican brothers in England. Am I I getting that right? Because it's a sense I get that the Presbyterian Covenanters were very biblically orientated. They were looking at the Bible to give them their doctrine and their faith, even more so than their Anglican brothers who perhaps had started the the Revolution, the Reformation in, in Britain.
4: Sure, maybe we should talk about the covenants another time too, and go right through it.
1: Yeah, I think I find that interesting. So, who were these Presbyterian preachers? These Covenanters.
4: Well, they were they were the Presbyterians who were resisting the inroads of the Church of England. What? Why? Why were they
1: called Covenanters?
4: Because they all signed this national covenant.
1: Okay, well that's making sense. Um, what impact did they have on this young man, Cameron?
4: Well, he became a preacher for them. He was a, a great speaker. He had been a teacher, and now he became a good preacher. So he was, and he would go on. Sorry, he would go out in the fields and preach to groups of of the Scots there too.
1: So he was deeply impacted by the messages of the covenants of these Presbyterians. He becomes a was he a good preacher?
4: Was this a guy you'd yes, want to listen was. to? He was a great orator. He could speak so well. Did he speak to, uh, what, to
1: small villages, hundreds, thousands? How did that work? Probably,
4: probably hundreds because it was a uh, illegal to meet like that, and so you met in small groups in private so that you wouldn't be caught. At the
1: time this is happening, is Scotland mostly Catholic, Anglican or Presbyterian?
4: It was mainly uh Anglican and the Presbyterian, although there would have been some Catholics there as well.
1: So you've got the covenanters of Presbyterians really starting to shake Scotland, and Cameron was a part of that great movement.
4: Yes, they were a very strict people, these covenanters. They lived a high moral life, and uh, so that's where he was in that group.
1: So he was pretty serious. This Cameron was pretty serious about his faith. Oh, yes. So what? And, uh... Yeah, go, sorry. I go oh, say so what go on. doctrine of the Anglican Church did Cameron disapprove of so strongly? What was it that really sent him into the Covenanters' fold?
4: Well, they had to come and say, God bless the king, making the king of England the highest person in their beliefs. And they objected to that because they saw Jesus Christ as first and the king would be second, and he didn't like that.
1: So they weren't against the king. They were just saying, God is the king of the kings.
4: Yeah, but they would refuse to say God save the king oh. uh, in that way, you see.
1: Okay, well, they they do take it very seriously. Hey, just for interest's sake, do we know what you, – you said he was a good preacher. Do we actually know what his preaching was like? Was he fiery? Was he quiet? Um, what sort of preacher was he?
5: He
4: would have been a fiery one. He gave it his all.
5: <laughs> well, I think, Hunty, if he was a fiery one, we'd be
1: happy to have him come to New Hope sometime. Yeah, we would. Wake them all up. Uh, What did King Charles II of England do that caused Cameron to flee his native homeland for the Netherlands, which in those days was a long way away?
4: Well, it was to make the King of England the head of the church. Cameron wouldn't accept this, and so he he left the country and skidded across to the Netherlands and stayed there for some years.
1: This theme keeps coming through. They are very, really spiritually offended at the idea that the King of England is head of the church and not Christ. I mean, I keep hearing you say that is the theme of the conflict between these two groups. Um, Did he ever return to Scotland?
4: Yes, he came back in in 1680, so he would have been then about 30, 32 years old.
1: He's still a young man. What was this? Uh, what was this San Now, did I say that right? Declaration.
4: So, yeah. Well, he with uh, another group, he rode into this town and he nailed up on the the post in the town all this declaration against the king who claimed to be the head, and uh, that sort of draw the ire of the king and all his soldiers against him it was it was a statement of war he's
1: looking for trouble really isn't he you're right and at this time the king of england had a lot of power in scotland oh yes yeah some say that cameron had the gift of prophecy it's possible isn't it
4: well it's possible he made a prophecy that the stuart kings and these were the stuart kings who came from scotland James the sixth of Scotland became James the first of England, and then Charles the first, Charles the second, James. That line of kings, the Stuart kings, he said they're going to be overthrown, and that of course happened only eight years after he made this prophecy.
1: So it is possible that God revealed something to him there. Well, it seems so to me, anyway.
4: Well, I think he could see that it wouldn't work forever, and the Scotland wouldn't accept it.
1: It's interesting to me that it was actually Scottish kings on the throne of England who were trying to force Scotland to worship in a particular way. Um, Kind of sad, isn't it? It is. Um, Why was Cameron hunted by Charles II's forces so ruthlessly? I'm guessing the answer is because he wouldn't accept his, 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 His,
4: his authority in the church. And, of course, they posted a reward, a massive reward for this guy. If anyone found him, turn him in. In fact, the
1: reward was big, even in today's real dollars, wasn't it?
4: I guess it would be something like fifty thousand pounds, to, uh, dollars today.
1: I'd have to think seriously about turning you in for that hunt. <laughs> fifty, <laughs> fifty thousand. Yeah, I'm not worth fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so he's hunted ruthlessly by Charles II. Did he get him?
4: Yes, they found him once. The uh, He was with a small group of followers. They were going to have a little prayer meeting and a sleep. Out in the middle of nowhere, I've been to the place. It's called Ed's Moss, and a a bunch of English soldiers, dragoons, they came and they found him.
1: Do we know how they found him or not really? Was he betrayed?
4: or? Well, they, they were going everywhere, and this isn't too far from the road. You can see it, and the group must have been there, and, oh, there he is. So they were just at him. And was there a fight? There was a fight, and uh, he said, "Okay, uh, Lord, spare the green, take the ripe." And he said to his brother, "Come, let's fight it out for the last. This is the day which I've longed for, the day I've prayed for to die fighting against the Lord's avowed enemies." So he knew wow, he, he was a real fighter. He knew he was doomed. He was. It was. It was more, uh, he outnumbered, totally outnumbered, and he knew he would die. So he was killed? He was killed. In fact, they more than killed him. They hacked off his hands, hacked off his head, and took his head and even showed it to his father. And he said, yeah, that's my son. His that father was him.
1: in jail at the time too, is that correct? Yes, he was,
4: for nonconformity.
1: Same thing, following his faith, Mm -hmm. wanting to worship in freedom. His father's in jail, and what, they brought him his son's head while they were in jail and showed
4: him the son's head. That's it. And he said, I know, I know that they are my sons, my own dear sons. It's the Lord. Good is the will of the Lord who cannot wrong me or mine but has made goodness and mercy to follow us all our days. These guys
1: were faithful, weren't they? To death.
4: Faithful to death. That's exactly what it was.
1: Was Cameron and his faith in England and Scotland and his followers, were they ever exonerated?
4: Yes. When the Stuart kings were left, James II was chased out and William and Mary of Orange came across to be the king and queen and the followers of Richard Cameron were pardoned. And in fact, they were put into a a portion of the British army as a regiment known as the Cameronian Regiment.
1: I think that regiment went deep into the 20th century. Is that correct? Right. went right
4: through to about 1968. Incredible.
1: So when you look at this man's life, another martyr, really, for his faith, a man, I'm imagining him a man who was very serious about his faith, Prepared to go to the end and die, and he did, and and he he died for a worthy cause. You know, he wanted freedom of religion. He wanted to worship God as a, as he saw the Bible directing him. What can you learn, and what do we learn from Cameron's life today?
4: I think our faith must be important to us. It's not just something you can take and leave. His faith just fulfilled his life, and if Jesus is in charge of us. If we've given our lives to him, we want to serve him. If we are called to die, so be it. But we serve him with all we've got, and Richard Cameron did that.
1: Do you reckon, Harold, that there's any chance that the modern-day contemporary Christian church will ever have to go through the rigours, the trials, and even the persecution of this old-time church?
4: Well, if you look at Daniel chapter 12, it says, just before the end of time, there be a time of trouble such as never was. So if Cameron went through it, who knows? We could have the same sort of thing too. Will you be true to God or not?
1: Do you, I'm, I'm just wondering, their faith, do you think it was because they were rooted so much
4: in prayer and Bible study? Is that Was that what... And, yes, the prayer and Scripture is the basis of that faith that will cause you to do
1: this. So these men were into what? Bible study and prayer every day. It was a central part of their life, would that be fair to say?
4: They would go out and preach from the Bible out in the fields. They weren't allowed to use the churches, so they would go and study and preach outside.
1: Would, would, Would our faith be strengthened if we were to do what they were doing, Bible, prayer, daily? It would be if that's
4: the first thing you then become totally committed to God and the Scriptures and your walk with the Lord through prayer takes you there. Fantastic,
1: Harold. I, I love these stories. They're so exciting. This guy was a very uh, inspiring, Hunty. Um, I hope, I hope if we get to Scotland, and there's some talk of that, isn't there, Harold, if we can raise the money that we'll get over there and film. I, I, I hope we and pray we're able to film the story of this man. Mm.
4: A great one go yes. to Sancre
1: yeah one of the great warriors of God who lived faithfully right to the end of his life thank you so much Harold really enjoyed that story God bless your brother thanks mate see you next Bye. time
0: you're listening to the Aussie pastor here on Faith FM
1: Harold just keeps bringing these good stories it out doesn't he doesn't he me? just I really really enjoyed that and yeah, the guy me inspires me you know Walking with Jesus to the death. Yes. I can't imagine myself doing that. I I can't imagine I'd have the courage. You know, I've said to you a number of times, Hunty, that one of the biggest problems... I've found in my life, as I thought when I was young, I was a man of courage, and then as I got older, I realised I'm not. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You've got plenty of courage. I don't know about that. I've driven
2: with you in a car. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, that's right. You <laughs> driving, me in the passenger seat. Hey, that look on my face is not courage. It's sheer terror. Uh, <laughs> Love it. Okay, hunty. Um, you want to know what's next? I do. because I've got, I got the run sheet covered up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a song, and I think it is well with my soul. Um, but before I want to give a quick yeah plug. go for it yeah for it. so coming up
2: uh, very shortly is our favourite segment Ask the Aussie Pastor. If you've got a question that you'd like answered by Lloyd, Pastor Lloyd, you can text us or email us. And the text number is zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us at info at aussiepastor.com com.
1: Did you hear that little hesitation?
2: Yes, the number's still not <laughs> fresh. Zero four double eight, double eight zero eight five one. That's a text number or info at aussiepastor dot com.
1: Both Hunty and Lloyd are still struggling after a year and a bit to get <laughs> one that, phone mate. number. <laughs> you know what the problem is? We've got all these phone numbers in our phones, so we no longer practice. No uh, memory of numbers. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's for sure. Indeed. Um, now, Huntie.
2: Uh, I'm um, still messing up the screen for you?
1: Yeah, what's going on here? What? If you could see, <laughs> listeners, you would see Hunty with a whole lot of stuff over our, our screen. right what's room. going on. <laughs> hey, um, this song, It Is Well for My Soul You're About To Hear, is sung by one of the most famous choirs in all the world. Really? The Tabernacle Choir. Oh, of course. This is a wonderful rendition of a fabulous song. By the way, Hunty, we sang this song in church last Sabbath. And whenever we put this song up at New Hope, it booms. It's one of my favourite songs of all time. It is a ripper. Mm. It is well with my soul. Written by a guy who had just lost his wife and I think three daughters. Don't hold me to that, but I think it was three daughters in the 1800s in a terrible boating accident. Mm, mm. And he wrote this song in the darkest time of his life. And And I think when you listen to the stories that Harold Harker shares with us, often week by week, not always, but... A lot of the time he's here fairly regularly. You're seeing men and women who go to their cross and die for Christ singing this beautiful song. No Mm -hmm. matter what happens to me, no matter what the world throws at me, no matter how dark it gets, it is well, it is truly well because I have Jesus with my soul.
2: Like what a song. Oh. Not quite done. Now it is. <laughs> <laughs> Do I get a point for that? Live radio. <laughs> Live radio, Don't listeners. It. <laughs> so it's now time for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Are you ready, mate? Yeah, I think so. Now this first question's a ripper. Yep. Hi, you keep stressing Jesus is coming soon. Well, yeah. yes, that's true. I do do that. Yep. I'm wondering how soon, years or decades? My more pressing question, though, is, if you're certain that the world will descend into absolute chaos fairly soon, wouldn't it be wise, given that we haven't started a family yet, to make the decision not to have children? Thanks. What, that's from David.
1: What a fabulous question.
2: Indeed it is. I struggled with the same thing myself.
1: What, 30 years ago. You're thinking you're having children? or 30 years am ago. Miss, am I missing something? <laughs> you and Jax want to you extend your family? <laughs> Stop
2: it. <laughs> 30 years ago I asked myself the same question.
1: Uh, do I think Jesus is coming soon? Definitely. On what basis? On the signs. Yep. I'm going to look at some of them today in the Bible study.
2: If we get time hunting. But you know, I was looking at Saddam Hussein and... Weapons of Mass Destruction, 30 years ago, they were signs.
1: They were. There's been signs all our life. There's been signs all this century. There's signs all last century. My
2: grandparents told me they were worried about that with World War II.
1: And the century before. But what happens is the signs are getting more intense. They're getting stronger, if you want to use the word fiercer. And everything in my... Look, I've never been a conspiracy theory preacher, Hunter. You know that. No, you're straight. Yeah, I'm really against that. But I'll tell you what, the signs are huge. That Jesus is coming soon. Okay. What's your answer? I believe it. And I believe we are headed into chaos. And I believe we're headed, like the Bible says, into a time of trouble like the world has never seen. True. And I think the only way to be ready for it is to have a, I, I preach this, I teach it, I exhort it to my congregation at New Hope. Every single Sabbath I'm preaching, have a relationship with Jesus. Yep. May it be deep and intimate. Hunty, study your Bible morning and night. I'm not joking on that. I, mm. I, I advance this in my own life, and I'm trying to advance it in the lives of others. It's who, the only way you can keep your tank full. Be a man or woman of prayer. Go to church. Don't turn up to church late. Be half an hour early. Sit there in the church praying and meditating with the Lord, waiting to worship. This is yep. the sort of people who are waiting for the Lord to come. But that last question, given that we haven't started a family yet, yep. to make the decision not to have children, no, don't. Live as though Jesus is coming tomorrow. Yep. And live as though He's not coming for another hundred years. Yep. So live as though He's coming tomorrow. Be yep. expectant. Yep. But live as though He's not coming for another hundred years, and that's a bit of an oxymoron. But what it means is this: expect Jesus to come, be waiting for Jesus to come, but keep going forward. So at our church, we want to build a church. I think Jesus is coming soon. Am I going to stop that process of us trying to raise the money to build a church? Never. No. Not. Why? Because I've got to plan as I'm going to be not me, but we're going to be here another hundred years and yet I expect him to be here tomorrow. So if you're a young couple, this is my strong advice. Yep. And you are thinking about having a family, go ahead and do it with yep. God's blessing, with his through his grace. Have your family. You're a light your family is a light in the darkness on the hill. That's and your great children advice. will be mm. a blessing to yep. you. They'll be a blessing to the world and we praise God for them. So go ahead, build your house. Have your family. Live your life as though you are going on another 100 years, but expect Jesus to come. And when he does, oh, we'll praise God. And when you go through losses like I just have, massive loss, can't underestimate the loss we've had out there on our farm with this flood. Don't worry about it because our roots aren't deep. Mm. We're ready to go. All righty. Good answer. Thank you, Pastor. Okay,
2: so let me give our listeners a bit of background. Back in March we had very, very high one-in-a-hundred-year flood, and it came right up to the door of our studio. And I remember the week after that, I remember Pastor Lloyd, the Aussie pastor, I remember him, I remember you proclaiming that God had saved the property. Of course he did. Okay, well, this question from our our listener says, if God saved your farm from the flood in March, why didn't he save it again in July from the other flood? Oh, well, that's a good question. It's a good question.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Thank you, listener. In March, I was able to praise God, and I was able to bless him, and I was able to share with the whole world. I mean, we've got 50,000-plus people on social media who follow us every day. Yep. I was able to proclaim to the world the goodness of God. In July, my farm went under and you know what brother i'm sitting here and i'm telling you and i'm not a fake i'm still able to proclaim the goodness of god yes so whether my house goes under in a flood or not i proclaim the goodness of god if it goes if he saves it i proclaim what a wonderful god he is if he doesn't save it fine i don't know why he does things and how things unfold i still proclaim what a great god he is here's a blessing my house is two stories hunty Yep. Only one story went under. Yep. So I'll praise him for the one story that didn't go under. I'm not being foolishly positive. Mm. It's how I see it. And like I just said, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm not always good at this, man. Yep. Yep. But I'm trying not to put my roots down deep into this earth. And, man, as this world collapses in chaos because of the evil and the sin that we are bringing into it, as it collapses into the chaos, man, we, the followers and believers of God, we're going to suffer too as it goes down. But the difference between us and the unbelievers is our suffering is done with Jesus. Yes. With Jesus in our hearts, with Jesus in our lives, with Jesus carrying us through. He's got our ship. He's got the steering wheel of that ship, and he is guiding. He is taking it through the storm. I'm in a bit of a storm. That's okay. We're going to get bigger ones, hunty. So I, I don't know why he saved it. Okay, that's the answer. Yeah, I don't know why he saved it in March <laughs> and why it went down in yeah. July, but that's okay. I'm going to praise his name anyway. I probably won't even bother asking him that question when we get to heaven. I think I've got more important things. Yes. Yep. Yes.
2: All righty, that's moving on. Next question. In your opinion, uh, what is the greatest prophecy in the Bible? Fabulous question. Great question. I've got my opinion on this.
1: Uh, look, I have no doubt. I have no doubt there is one prophecy that
2: is king of them all. Can I try and guess? Yeah. Is your king of all prophecies the one about Jesus? Yeah. uh uh-huh. Because you know mine's about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar.
1: I know yours is Daniel too. Did you know that? But, you're, but, but you ain't got this right. No, I haven't. You're it's right. It's not the greatest prophecy. You're right. Isaiah 53. Mm. Written 800 years before Jesus comes. Identifying Jesus, what he will do, how we'll do it. It is amazing. And if you don't believe me, go and read it and you'll just, man, it's prophecies like Isaiah 53. Daniel 2, your one is a ripper too, honey. Mm, It's a ripper. Talking about the the future of the world from Daniel's day right through to the second coming of Jesus. It's magnificent. But Isaiah 53 about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is none better. It is a ripper, but you might have one that you think is better. Yep. And if you have, tell me. Let us know. How they do that. Info at AussiePastor.com. Send us an email. Info at AussiePastor.com. Email or? Or
2: you can text us. Uh, text number 0488880851.
1: Tell us your favourite Bible prophecy. Yes, please. What you think is the most powerful. For me, it's always going to be Isaiah 53. For Hunty it's Daniel 2. It doesn't no, matter. I actually
2: have to agree that the prophecy of Jesus does. Ooh. Yes. Even though King Nebulun's my favourites, I think you're right. The most important one is about Jesus. It's a ripper. Yes. Okay, mate. Right, moving on. Um, does the Seventh-day Adventist church come from a date-setting past? Oh, it says William Miller. Someone knows something about it. Someone, someone knows this. Uh Yes and no. Yes and no, exactly.
1: Um, William Miller. In 1844, made a prophecy. Now, 1844 is, uh, what, 54, 19 years before Before the Seventh-day Adventist church Church ever came into existence. That's right. But he made a prophecy that Jesus would come on October 22, 1844. Of course, he didn't. There are many of our pioneers who got caught up in that movement. Yep. But it wasn't a Seventh-day Adventist movement. Uh, And a lot of people get confused on that. Mm. This happened in 1844. Our church didn't even start until 1863. Yep. So, um, does the Seventh day Adventist Church come from a No. It's in our it's in our, ancestry. it's in our past because
2: some of the people that did set that date ultimately end up joining us. But there
1: us. are a lot of other churches and organisations that came out of that date setting movement. That's true. Um, uh, Mormons, JWs, uh, some Unitarians and Congregationalists. There's a whole heap of them come out of that. And there was a whole lot of Adventist pioneers who were not involved in that date setting fiasco man some of them were but they weren't and the Adventist church has never I mean you need to know this we have never set a date for Jesus to come why because we know you can't do that correct we know what Jesus says no one knows no one knows Mm. the day or the hour that Jesus will come except the father yep Mm. Mm. there's a short answer there's a short
2: answer good all right if God is alive like you say then why don't I hear him speak to
1: me when I pray Oh, that's a good question. There's some good questions today, Hunty. Absolutely. Um, I don't hear God speak to me when I pray a whole lot. Do you? No. I, I don't have the experience like, but like, like our friend, um, God did speak to me once. Yeah, but once clearly, fifty-seven or fifty-eight mm, years old, bro. True. Mm. Um, the guy we interviewed who heard God speak when he was in the shower. Uh, he was about, yeah. He he was about to um, commit suicide a week. Oh, last ago, week. About. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last
2: week's praying. Yeah, yeah. Simon. Um, Simon. Yep. He heard God speak. He did. That's true. And very
1: clear yeah. and very loud. Um, I have never really heard God speak loud like that ever. Mm. And a lot of people say, oh, "I can't." Hear, when I pray, it's like I'm talking to myself. And look, <laughs> faith comes by hearing. I think it's Romans. Romans somewhere, faith comes by hearing and hearing comes through the word of God, which is the Bible. So faith comes by hearing. So you do hear God and that hearing comes mm, from, from the Bible. reading mm. the Bible. Look, ninety. I tell people wherever I go, 99.9% of me hearing God's voice comes from the Bible. I get my direction. I get God's word in my heart and in my mind. tells me all sorts of things when I'm reading the Bible. One of the reasons I know our ministry is going to be all right through the crisis and man, have we been battered in the last year or so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I know we're going to be okay is because God says so, and where do I find that when I'm reading my Bible? So God's voice to me comes through my Bible study. Does that make sense, Auntie? Yep. And that's biblical. Faith yep. comes by hearing. Where's that found? Yeah, I'm and, just racking my brain. Can, can I look that up? Yeah, you do that. Faith comes by hearing, Yep. and hearing, I should know this because I use it I use it all the time, Hunty, this passage of Scripture. Uh, Romans ten seventeen. I knew it. <laughs> faith comes by hearing. So you do hear. You've got to hear God if you're going to have faith. But hearing comes from the Word of God or hearing comes from being in the Bible. So get in the Bible. Yep. Read Genesis. Read Isaiah. That great passage we just looked at, Isaiah 53. <laughs> read Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. Read the Book of Acts about the early Christian church. Read the works of Paul if you want to know how you're saved. These are... Whenever you read in the Bible, the Holy Spirit comes into you, and, man, God speaks in huge, thunderous tones. I know God's talking to me there, don't mm, you? you are, yeah. So that, that, that I, I would I, whoever wrote that question, I would say, get into your Bible morning and night, genuine Bible study, and you will hear God. All right, last
2: question for today. Oh, well, I don't think, listener, you're going to like the answer to this one, but here goes the question. I did something very bad to someone when i was young should i seek their forgiveness
1: well the first thing you should do is seek god yep and his forgiveness for whatever that was yep
2: that that's my view
1: yep so go to god and seek forgiveness and ask him what to do that's not the hard part that's my answer
2: okay because
1: Sometimes it's appropriate to go and seek forgiveness. Sometimes your sin is so bad you should go nowhere near that person. True, that's true. Yep. and and so it, I don't know enough about, and that was a real question that came through to me. And I don't know enough about that situation to know whether or not that person should seek the other person out that they've they've harmed and yeah. hurt. Does that? It would depend. So I would say seek God. Seek God and probably he'll you. get get into your Bible study and your prayer and your Bible study, God will make it very certain what you should do from there. Most times you should seek forgiveness if you've hurt someone. Right. But it's not always appropriate. Does that make sense, hunty? That does make sense. So I'm being careful there. I'm saying seek God, find out his word, and he'll tell you what to do.
2: Yeah, I love that. All right, that brings to the conclusion to Ask the Aussie Pastor segment. I love you're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on
1: Faith FM. Did, I, did old, I cut the, you off Ed? Yeah, you did. The old handbrake was about to come <laughs> yeah. in. And, oh. You weren't done. <laughs> That's all right. We do need to move on because we always, always, we're always, always out of late. time. Yep. I hope we're doing all right today. Um, this song, this next song that we're going to share with you comes from Songs of Praise. You know Songs of Praise? I do. You? BBC. Yep, love it. Very, very famous. What would you call it? Him sing program coming out of yeah, England, A- B- uh, BBC television. Out of is it not England or Britain or is BBC television all over Britain? BBC England?
2: is like ABC for Australia. So it
1: is. It's in Scotland, it's, England, Wales, about and that. Ireland, Northern Ireland. Have to be, I think. Okay, because that's Britain. BBC it British Broadcasting Casting Corporation. Have to be. Yep. This is this is probably their most one of their most famous religious yep programs. B- would it be yes. Been gone for years. years. Yep. That's some beautiful hymns, and yep. this is when they all got together. Once a year, they get together to sing their favorite hymns. So you got like what? I don't know, honey, two, three thousand people. Yeah, in, in either cathedrals a or full
2: or, of the the highest quality voices in the land. Sometimes they go
1: to some of England's or, or Britain's biggest convention centers yep. to do that. Sometimes yep. they're in huge, huge amphitheaters, uh, amphitheaters, mm. or like you said, cathedrals. Yep. This time they're in. It looked like to me like a great big conference center that fitted thousands and thousands. And this is one of the favorite songs. This every year this song comes up for sure as one of the favorite hymns. It's called "And Can It Be?" and it's about the love of Jesus coming down to die on the cross, take our sins to the cross, and pay the penalty for us. I reckon this is one of the great hymns. What do you reckon, Auntie? Oh, I love it. One of my favorite. Let's listen to it. I want to welcome Simon Lewis back to the program. He was with us last week. Simon, are you there? I am. Hi, Lloyd. Yeah, hi. I'm really glad you've come back to us because you shared with us an amazing story last week about how God intervened and saved your life at a very dark time. In fact, you were thinking of ending your life.
2: That's right, that's right. Let me just jump in here with a trigger warning for our listeners who may be in a dark place.
1: Good, good, Hunty. If, H- if... Hunty,
2: who's always caring. And he does, Simon, <laughs> truly. So... He's the carer on the show. <laughs> so if we do have any listeners that are struggling and have got, got the black dog barking, uh, Lifeline 131114 offer 24-hour crisis support. So if any parts of this interview trigger you, please note that you can reach out to Lifeline 131114 anytime.
1: You can also go yeah, to your local good. church pastor. Yep. I, I, As we said yesterday, Simon, I think when you're going through dark times, there are two areas where you can definitely get help. Lifeline or there's other there's other places. There around. are,
2: but uh, Lifeline is Australia-wide.
1: Is it the only one Australia-wide? Or
2: oh, It's one that I know of.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know Jeff Kennett's into one in,
2: yep, in Victoria. Victoria.
1: I can't yep. remember yep. the name of it, but
2: there's some really good... The Lifeline stuff. is 24-7.
1: 24-7, and yep. they... They have good counsellors, and I'll point you in the right direction.
2: Really range. well-trained counsellors.
1: Um, back to you, Simon. Um, when you look back on that story – oh, by the way, Hunty, before I go to Simon. Yep. Can, if there's radio listeners who missed last week. Oh, I'll... yes.
2: Look, you can go to Faith FM's website. That's www.faithfm.com.au, and you can click on Dozzy Pastor and podcasts. And last week was the 19th of July, yep. somewhere – about three-quarters of the way through the program. You can fast-forward through to it. It was definitely
1: towards the end of
2: it the was program. And you can hear this interview if you missed it.
1: It's one of the most stunning stories of God's intervention.
2: It's a fantastic story. You, you, if you haven't heard it, listeners, you owe yourself you know, 20 minutes to wind back and have a listen.
1: It's such a good story, Simon. We were talking earlier about you coming down to New Hope in northwest Sydney and sharing it with our congregation. Uh, Love to. And Love if you to. do come down, we'll make a big fuss and we'll invite our radio <laughs> listeners yes, we to will. come and meet you yes. face-to-face. Um, yeah. You've got three stories illustrating three types of prayer and you've shared one yeah. with us. Is that right?
5: That's correct. That's correct. Um, I call this, uh, the story that I shared last week, um, is my, my intervention prayer. Yeah, um, I got that you know, word off you. <laughs> sometimes you'll be going one direction. Yeah. And uh, I shared last week that, you know, I was heading this one direction. A friend came and sat down beside me and said one of the most powerful sentences that someone can say to another person, and that is, can I pray with you? Yeah. Not yeah. pray for you, but pray with you.
1: Yeah.
5: And um, and my life was going one direction, and it literally turned, and a day later I found myself, you know, from no hope to going to new hope. So I like I'm, that. I, like I do that. like that.
1: <laughs> Actually, um, when you have those sorts of things happen in your life, it reaffirms, the reality of the existence of God who is deeply intimate, who loves you, Simon.
5: Yeah. You know, I, I say that I have uh, two birthdays. One, my biological birthday, and the other day the other day was um, the last week of June of 1991. and um, That was your intervention. That, week, that was my intervention prayer, yeah.
1: The interesting thing about that is that God who reached out and intervened first, wasn't it really? Yes. You were sitting in that shower, you're contemplating ending your life, very sobering story and God intervened yeah and that yeah. prayer
4: you had with your
1: friend later on was part of God's intervention is that correct
5: yeah it continued on yeah a day later um, I had to wait for the rest of the rest of the story rest of God's intervention but that um, you know when God said I heard God's voice saying Simon what are you doing I have great plans for you um, I don't know if I've I've I've, I've uh, Lived up to my expectation of what those great plans were back when I was, uh, you know, thirty odd years ago. But, um, uh, you know, God has a, a an interesting way of looking at people's lives, and I've come to the realization in the last couple of years that God's great plans for me what he what I heard his him saying could mean that my daughters uh, end up being part of God's plan, oh, sure. or someone that I told this story to might end up being part of God's plan. And so it might not be my specific life, but it's it might be I'm part of God's big plan. Let me give you and, some um, comfort there, Simon. Yep. I,
1: and I mean this too. Having listened to your story as we talked in pre-interviews, I can assure you that despite the weaknesses that you have and that we all have, we all have weaknesses, we all fall short of our own expectations, God has used you very powerfully and you, you should take comfort from that. You're not perfect. None of us are. You probably haven't done everything exactly as you could have, or even as powerfully as God may have wanted. But He's used you, and He's using you right now. Now you have two other stories illustrating yeah. two types of prayer. Share that them
5: with us. So, um, my first, um, first type of prayer is uh, what, what everyone, a lot of people have heard of. They've heard of intercessory prayer. What is that? That's where you. Intercessory prayer for me is where you're praying for someone. They may not even know that you're praying for them. And um, that comes back. I found out I was adopted uh, later in life. Um, How old and, were you uh, when you found that out? Uh, 24. Um, so until you, that, you were 24, you didn't know you were adopted. You thought? No. no. My parents, um, my adoptive parents, uh, you know, mentioned to us when we were little, but then um, for various reasons um, just... Just sort of uh, put it on, not under the carpet, but sort of never mention it. Um, there was things, mentioned, phrases like, when we brought you home from the hospital. Yeah. That type of idea. Um, there was no pre- um, pictures of mum being pregnant with any of the kids. Um, that sort of idea. So when 24 came along, uh, I'd just come back from Thailand, believe it or not. Um, and my parents sat down and said, hey, you know, now some people just, get to Just to for Tuesday, those who weren't here last. Yeah, week, yeah, sorry.
1: You went to Thailand to teach for a year and a half.
5: That's right. Uh, refugee uh, that, school uh, was in the part jungles of, God's of Thailand convention
1: too wasn't it but you have to listen to the story last
5: week are not you you do <laughs> yeah. so go
1: on you've come back from thailand yep go on yeah and
5: i found out that um that i was adopted i was um i was fostered from when i was 8 weeks old and um my natural mother was one of those uh stories that's actually in the in the news right now where they're doing a um uh, an inquiry about uh, babies that were forcibly adopted uh out uh in the 60s and 70s so although and, you're um, not
1: Indigenous, you are actually still one of the stolen generation.
5: I wouldn't want to uh, label myself as that, but um, definitely um, from the stories that uh, I've met my natural mother yep, and father, and um, you know she never got to even see me um, as a baby. They had a sheet up. Uh, she never got to hold me. Uh, the doctors lied to her and said that I, I didn't breathe for 20 minutes and I was a vegetable and go home and forget about me. And, that,
1: that, um, that sounds stolen to me, brother.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And so there was a lot of, um, uh, yeah. So again, lifeline. It's, it's there. Are, I know there's many, many women out there and, and, um, people like me that have gone through worse. Like I ended up in a beautiful home, um, had a wonderful life, but there's other people that didn't. And yeah. so again, lifeline. Yeah. Um, sorry, bit, um, triggering those sort of things as well. But I found out that, um, my natural grandparents, so my mother's my mother's parents, um, didn't believe the doctors um, what they told uh, my mother, and uh, they prayed for me morning and night my entire life. So this life. is your intercessory
1: Not prayer. My Someone intercessory else prayer, praying for you.
5: Yeah, yep. praying for me yep. as a baby, growing up, and just believing that I was I was alive and I was well, um, and it was only until I was twenty four. Uh, that they, that we got to meet. And were, I tell you, there was lots of tears and they saw those, those prayers answered, uh, in my life. And I and I was telling them about my life and how I'd grown up and the family I'd lived with and, um, and loved. Uh, they, they saw their prayers answered. They've both passed away now, uh, but I know that, uh, I'll see them again.
1: So these grandparents. Yeah. These are, the grandparents of your adopted family or your... No,
5: my, my natural, my birth family. Wow.
1: And they were praying yeah. for
5: you? Yeah. Very strong Christians, um, part of Church of Christ um, wow. congregations and prayed for me morning and night, um, you know, and so they, I believe... they somehow
1: I, knew that you were alive, huh?
5: Yeah, they somehow... In their heart and yep. um, they knew I was alive um, and they knew they'd, that um, those prayers count. And, you know... We talk about getting to heaven and finding out stories about where God has led us and yeah. um, protected us and all these sort of stories. Well, I'll, I'll have a big, thick book that I'll be uh, filling in some time, I know.
1: It'll be wonderful and, to meet them actually in heaven and talk yeah. about your life and how yeah. their intercessory prayer. Look, you just don't. The intercessory prayer is so powerful. And I actually say to parents whose children have left Jesus, never stop praying for them until you've got. No more bre- And look, I'm a father, and so is Hunty. We're, we're parents who, not all our children follow the Lord Jesus yep. as we might want, but we intercede in prayer for, yep. well, I do. Every day. Every single day. Because just as your grandparents interceded for you to the Lord Jesus, so I think there's a lot of us who get great hope when we listen to that story for our own children. Because you yeah. didn't always have it right as you were growing no, up. No, no. And that intercessory right. prayer, what people don't realise, we don't understand all the laws between Satan and God and in this great conflict. Yeah. But what we do know is that every time you pray for someone, God is able to go and touch their lives.
5: Yeah, yeah. I totally soon, believe that. Did you say they prayed for you every day? Every day, morning and night.
1: Were they still alive when you were at college and you had that? Yeah,
5: yeah. So and, on the day you were of that, thinking that about whole...
1: ending your life, your yeah. grandparents, your natural-born grandparents were praying for you.
5: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's teary stuff, man. Yeah. So there's intercessory prayer. What's yeah. the other
5: one? The intervention prayer uh, is the one that I talked about last week. Yeah. And um, the other the other prayer... So you've got intercessory,
1: which was your grandparents. Yeah. You've got intervention, which was God who saved you when you were at Avondale yeah. University. And this is yeah. the third one.
5: This is the third one. And this is when I, um, I learned this when I was, uh, working in Thailand. And, um, it was, it was tough out there. And there was, uh, you know, I was a young person away from home, very tough conditions, you know, washing in the creek, uh, living in a bamboo hut, leaf roof, um, uh, no, no sort of, no electricity, uh, whereabouts just, in Thailand were you, by the way? Right on the border of uh, Burma and, um, and Thailand, uh, teaching uh, Karen refugees. Hot. Um, t- parts of the year and other parts of the year, it was uh, just misty till lunchtime and we had to hang all our bedding out during the afternoon to dry it out. <laughs> because there's no walls, it's bamboo. Like, no the, hot the showers? Mist. No, washing in the creek. And you had to dodge the elephant poo some days. And you were there for a year and a half? Year and a half, yeah, 20 months. Mosquitoes? and I got malaria a lot uh nearly died a couple of times, and that's another prayer. So my my natu- my adoptive mum, um, only we could only send letters and yeah. so it was like uh, six weeks by the time you would sent a letter, got a letter replied um, back again. and my my mum, uh, my adoptive mum, yep. and I called her mum. Yep. Um, she uh, had this dream that she needed to pray for me. and uh, she wrote this letter and she'd prayed all night for me, wow, and wrote a letter. And uh, when I got this letter later, I went back to the day and that was the night that I nearly died from malaria, wow. very, very seriously, um, very ill um, and, uh, yeah, very close to death. And my, I was in Thailand. Mum was in Australia and uh, she's praying for me that night um, knowing that uh, I needed protection and that's, that's uh, it was work, worked out it the same night.
1: That's intercessory prayer again, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Hey, hey just before you tell us the story, do you still get malaria?
5: Because no. my dad got, got and PNG
1: yep. and he still gets bouts of it now.
5: Oh, he needs to get a new drug. There's a drug called Fancidar that gets it out of the liver. Ah, it. yeah. But I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor.
2: Is that new drug a one and done so you can't go back to a malaria country now?
5: Uh, I went back to Papua New Guinea. We got malaria in Papua New Guinea uh, when I was working for ADRA. Um, he picked it but, up uh, at PNG. We, no, we were I, worried. We are worried Sorry, others, for me, but, but um, different type of malaria. The border of Thailand and Burma is the worst malaria in the world. Yeah. Biggest hotspot.
1: Lucky anyway. my dad wasn't there because the PNG malaria almost killed him.
5: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Now, tell, oh, were you going to say something, honey? Oh, yeah, well,
2: my question was about the cure. I heard that it was a cure you could only take once and then you could never go to a malaria country again after the cure. No,
5: no. They fixed um, that, have they? So when I got... When I came back from uh, Thailand, I was uh, only 64 kilos. Oh, wow. And uh, Lloyd and Hunter, you're probably, what, 64 kilos when you're in yeah, preschool? just a little bit more. I've got to lose <laughs> 64 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was really skinny, really skinny. Wow. I had needle tracks all up in my arm because um, of the, the cannulas they use with steel cannulas. Um, I looked like a druggie, uh, but I was really, really sick. And uh, I got two – I'd had malaria um, every month. For the six months before I came back to Australia, were there other young a, people up there
1: where you were working? Were you, or were you kind of by yourself? Like, was there? No, I was
5: working. I was working at a school, and we had a nurse uh, that looked after us. Um,
1: were there other young but... people there though for you to, uh, you know, um, friends and all that? Or were you really up there on your
5: own, just teaching kids? I, I was there. I was there with uh, different volunteers that came in and out. They um, yep. named Karen. She might be listening. She lives here in Brisbane. Yep. Uh, Kelvin Dever, who yep. works in the church headquarters. Yep. Uh, he was there for half the time. Yep. Uh, there was a guy called Tom from Arkansas in the US. I've never met him since then. Yeah. Um, yep. but, um, yeah, um, I came back and I got malaria back in Australia and ended up in, um, in, uh, intensive care in Hornsby hospital. Wow. Uh, and I got this new drug uh, back then. Um, and I had a 10% chance of getting malaria and I, I got through that. And, um, and then I came to study time in uh, first semester back at uh, Avondale University and I stayed up too late and I got malaria again right in the middle of exams oh boy. and uh, I had to take the drug again. Uh, and then after that I never got um, malaria until I went back to Papua New Guinea. Um, and in Papua New Guinea my, my daughter's got it. You know, lots of people get it in, in, um, in Papua New Guinea and, and they've got that. The new drug that I took back in 91 is the standard treatment now across the world.
1: Okay, third prayer, you're up in Thailand.
5: Yeah, sorry. Um, when when you work with someone that um, that is, is it's difficult situation, often you I think we're all tempted to to pray to God, Lord, change their heart. You know, change that person, make them easier to get along with. Um, you know, uh, make them uh, become more what what I want. And it's a it's a very I think it's a very selfish prayer. And we were praying this prayer for quite a few months. For someone um, up there
1: that you were working with,
5: that we were working with, who, who and, was um,
1: what irritable or grumpy or no, no
5: just just uh, an interesting boss. Okay. Um. Okay. This this person is still working there, so um, she, uh, they're an incredible person, and um, I I um have a lot of time yeah, uh, yeah. for them, and they're just an amazing person. Um, but one morning, one uh, one of the volunteers that were there, she said, um, I think we should change our prayer. I mean, okay, what, what should we change it? And she said, instead of praying for God to change that person's heart, we should pray that God will look after our heart um, and, and help us change to, to deal with that person. And so we, we, we flipped the prayer um, and we started praying, you know what, the next day that person changed uh, their attitude towards the whole the school. <laughs> and so God answered it saying, I think for me, you're on the right path in praying for your own heart. Yeah, uh, and so my my third prayer. So is... So do you think
1: that unlocked God' yeah. power, not just on yourself but on her? Yeah. So he was exactly able to exactly right. With
5: both parties, is, is yeah, that yeah. yeah. Sorry, because we we was... were, we're all praying a selfish prayer. Yeah, you know, yeah. Lord, change them, change yeah. them.
1: Yeah,
5: rather than saying, Lord, change my heart, and that's the only one you can really control. Yeah. You can only control your own heart. And, so and, I believe in intercessory prayer. Yep, that that is powerful. Yep. but when you're praying a, a slightly selfish prayer. Yep. That God changed their heart because I want to get on better with them, then I think you, you need to pray for your own heart.
1: So what would you and call that, and that's sort the third prayer? prayer? I don't know. You're the you're the expert, mate. So we've got we've we've got intercessory prayer. We've got the prayer of intervention, Hunty. We've got the prayer when when, when you're praying uh,
5: humility. Yeah,
1: that's not a bad one, isn't it?
5: No, that's a good. The I like prayer, it. The prayer I'll of humility. use it. Thank you.
1: That'll do, hunty. You're you're on fire, bro. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and and seriously, I've I've uh, worked in some difficult situations, and we all, you know, as we've gone through our career, and I've I've prayed that prayer, and I've given that prayer advice, the type yep. of prayer to many people, and it's always worked. Yeah. yeah. So if you're finding, if you're having a difficult situation today, um, you might be listening to this on the way the way to work on a podcast or something, and you know. Pray that God will change your heart and see what happens.
1: I think that's a big deal for a whole lot of situations. It's not just work. It's marriage. Yeah. yeah. It's a relationship yeah. with your kids. Yeah. It's sometimes a relationship with your friends. That's yeah. a really powerful prayer right across the board. It's not that you can't pray for that person that yeah, God yeah. will change them, but you need to say, Lord, it's my heart that needs changing.
5: Yeah. Um, bless them. See I, think, see, I think intercessory prayer is praying God just help them. Yeah. If you pray that God change their heart, because I want it. Yeah. That's that's the prayer that I don't think God uh, can answer.
1: Well, that um, that prayer of humility that you prayed um, would have changed the school.
5: Yeah. Oh, it did. It changed the attitude of all the uh, the national workers that were there. Uh, everyone was impacted by the positive uh, change of culture uh, in that in that school
1: our times up but I just want to yep. ask you one last question yeah you're back in Australia you're married you've, yeah. got, you've got children yep that school or uni or?
5: Um, uh, one daughter is just finished uh, uni she's a teacher of grade one and the the other uh, daughter is in uh, final year of teaching high school uh, and she's uh, actually in prac teaching at the moment but uh, she'll be grading at the end of this year nice. both, from Av- both from Avondale University awesome.
1: I just did what I said I wouldn't do, hunty.
5: <laughs> Ejected your headphones I again. I lost
1: my headphones again, so I missed that entire answer. So they're both but teachers. I'm, they're both teachers, to, like you.
5: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. No, in, no, inter- it's a great career. I was going to say
1: intercessory prayer never worked there. Uh, look, I've got to say it's a great career because my daughter's tra- training to be a teacher at Avondale University right now, primary school teacher.
5: Okay. Yeah, So yeah. What my, a great my place second daughter to be. is is uh, in her final year of high school teaching. Okay. At but, Avondale.
1: You know, when you think back on Avondale University where us two went. Yeah. I don't think Hunty ever went there. He well, look, he did go up there all the time chasing the girls chasing, when yeah, we yeah. were there. It was we, only a one hour drive, why not? <laughs> it should have been a two hour drive, by the way, back then. <laughs> you had a little mini, didn't you? Was it a mini or Panel Van. Panel Van. Oh, oh dear. Oh, we don't want to go there. No, we don't. Um Um it was a, you know, despite the ups and downs. We made great friends at Avondale Uni, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, friends we did. that are with us for life. We are talking about them yeah. the other day. You know what warms my heart talking to you? And in some sense, back then, we were all wild boys to an extent in different ways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. about – look, I do know from your story now, but I certainly wasn't walking with Jesus that closely at Avondale yeah. at University. Mm. But I got into this Christian college, and believe it or not, I found Jesus there. Well Jesus found me there. It was way yeah, yeah. toward the end of my course, you know that yeah, and I'm yeah. listening at the at your life. it seems like you found Jesus there too, yeah, yeah I so did. so in all our wild ways and we used to do what we wanted and all, you know we we're pretty secular, probably young fellows back then, God looked down and he caught us and I think there's a lot of people like us who get caught by God or the beginnings of it at Avondale University,
5: yeah. Yeah, Um, I sent my my kids there and, um, yeah, they've they've enjoyed their time there too.
1: Funny you say that, both my kids went there too. Nursing to start off with and then um, teaching. And both had a wonderful time
5: like we did. Yep.
1: It's a privilege to talk to you, mate. It really is. Uh, And Hunty or I will be on to you. We will.
5: Very shortly. Anytime you've got a free slot, I'll talk about uh, community development, uh, you know, anything that people can do in the community. I'll talk about what your church can do to help people. I want um, you to
1: come down and share what you shared on yes, the radio program it, yeah, yeah, with yeah. our church folk, and then I want you to share with us perhaps a little Well, look, we'll get you gone, on again soon, if that's okay. Yeah, we might no, talk it's... more about your work now in Brisbane. Yeah, you do live yeah. in the best city in Australia, with the best, <laughs> best football team in the uh, country. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about
5: my loss last button. week <laughs> as, a, as a blue supporter living in Brisbane. Uh, it was a tough tough yeah, well, let me you.
1: tell you as a Maroon supporter living in Sydney it's been a sweet sweet time <laughs> <laughs> thanks Simon you're, you're Thank a great you bloke mate and we Have love having day. you on board catch See you later See ya. cheers Thank you. bye bye
0: you're listening to the Aussie Pastor
1: here on Faith FM hey hunty <laughs> guess what what we're out of time pretty much I wanted to do a Bible study on the Sabbath I know you did can I do a little short one okay Go to Isaiah. Remember I told you about Isaiah 53? Yes. Which is the greatest prophecy in all the Bible? Yes. It's about Jesus. Well, five chapters later, go to Isaiah 58. Yep. Isaiah's talking about the Sabbath. He's a messianic prophet. He's the prophet who talks about Jesus more than any other in the Old Testament. And he talks about the Sabbath. And the reason he talks about the Sabbath is because the Sabbath is central in our walk with Christ. Did you know that, Hunter? Yes, of course. Why? Because the Sabbath is about uninterrupted time with Jesus from yep. Friday night sunset to Saturday night sunset. Yep. That's why it comes under attack from Satan so strongly. It's about uninterrupted time with Christ, with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's been like that since the creation of the world. We're designed to be with him. And on the Sabbath, He heal, when we're with him, when we're spending time with him, yep. he heals us. Yep. He builds us up. He puts us back together, gives us this thing called rest. It's really another word for peace. So that we can go back into a hostile world. I don't know how people make it without the Sabbath hunting. Now, Mm. Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus and something very interesting to say about the Sabbath. I want you to read it, Hunty, yep. because it applies to us. There's nothing in the Bible that doesn't apply to us in some way or another today. This applies to us. It's very powerful. Read it, Hunty. I want you to read verse 11, 12, and verse 14. Okay. No. Actually, no. 11,
2: 13, and 14. 11, 13, yeah. and 14. Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, dear. All right. Um, I'm in the NLT. Is that all right? Yeah, good, good. Okay. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like an
1: ever-flowing spring. That's what it's like when you've got the Lord guiding you in your heart. You're spending time with him. Now watch this, Hunty, verse 13, so strong, so powerful.
2: Okay, keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honour the Sabbath in everything you do on that day, and don't follow your own desires or talk idly.
1: Verse 14, verse 14.
2: Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken.
1: I like verse 13. Honour the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. idly. Interesting. You know what that's talking about? No. Spend the Sabbath with Jesus. I can't get that. You know how to do that? How How would you spend the Sabbath with Jesus? Well, for me, I I, I was
2: brought up uh, in a conservative Christian family, and Sabbath for us was not going to the shops, not to the mall, not not going off to the car races. Is that what or the Sabbath 40. means. I was just saying things we didn't do, but but, but which but, made it special for us.
1: Does that make it special?
2: Well, yeah, not doing secular things, going to church, reading our Bibles, uh, having spiritual discussions, sitting around as a family, talking about. You didn't like that. That's how I was brought up.
1: But is that how it is now?
2: No. I brought my kids up differently. On Sabbath, we went out on the boat. We went hiking, camping. We went fish not fishing, um, for, for walks in nature.
1: Okay, Sabbath. Um, spending time with Jesus. It's about relationship. Yep. So I start to think about relationship. I reckon getting out to nature like you did was really cool.
2: Yeah, my kids love that.
1: Because when you're out in nature, you're with Jesus. Um, because he made it. And it certainly, you know send you back to him, church, definitely. you father other believers. Of course. You're worshipping Jesus. Well, I took that as a, as a given. It's very, very powerful. Fellowship, I mean, in our church we do fellowship lunches, hunty, very powerful with other believers Yep, and Jesus. I mean, there's a whole host of things. When you're at church and you're singing, I mean, that's really powerful, Yes, experience of Jesus. Yes. I think I, when it comes to Sabbath, people often say to me, oh, what do you do on the Sabbath? What don't you? You know what? If it brings me closer to Jesus, I do it. If it's neutral or it doesn't, I don't. That's a good call. Very, very powerful. This last song, Don't Forget the Sabbath, Fountain View Academy. I think it's a beautiful song, and it is all about the joy of spending your Sabbaths with Jesus Christ. Welcome,
3: welcome, ever welcome, blessed. all the week, the best. It brings recalls from labor, it tells of joy divine. It's beams of light descending with heavenly beauty shine. Keep the Sabbath holy and worship Him today, who said to His disciples, I am the living way. And if we meekly follow our Savior here below,
4: He'll give us all the fountain
3: whose streams eternal flow. Dear of sacred pleasure, its golden hours will spend In thankful hymns to Jesus, the children's dearest friend. O gentle loving Savior, how good and kind Thou art, how precious is Thy pride.
1: Beautiful oh, hunting, I love, love that. that, yeah, it is nice, isn't it? it is. um you know, as a little boy, I grew up on a farm just south of Nara, yeah uh, beautiful place, and I grew up in a sabbath keeping family now I haven't always been a Sabbath keeper, but as a child, I was mm-hmm. Friday night, we'd get together as the sun's going down, we'd have worship. My auntie was there playing the piano. My grandmother was playing the violin. She was actually a concert violinist in the Melbourne Symphonic Orchestra in her younger days. And my dad would be playing the saxophone and we would sing. This is how we bring the Sabbath in. Nice. We'd sing and when we'd finish singing half an hour, I can't remember, just beautiful, in this old (laughs) 100-year-old ramshackled house we live in. And then as the Sabbath... Uh, was coming in and we'd finished our singing. My dad would always tell a Bible story and we'd be sitting on his knee. And then we would bring the Sabbath in with the Lord's Prayer. You know the Lord's Prayer? I our do Father would shout. And, like and, and then uh, as we'd prayed that, we'd get up and my mother had prepared a beautiful, I'm telling you, the best meal of the week. Oh, yeah. This is Sabbath for me. The next morning we get up Sabbath morning. We get in the car. We go 20 k's up to Nara. I lived in a little place called and to church. When we're at church... I go to Sabbath school, a bit like Sunday school. I'm having a great time there with the other kids, learning the Bible, then into church. After church, we go down to the river. Have you been to the river, the Sheldhaven River? You know, I've, I've seen your church. Yeah. yeah, we, Beautiful. We stop there and you reminisced about lunch. Yeah. We go down to the Sheldhaven River and there we have lunch. Yep. Egg sandwiches, right? All sorts of things. Okay. Egg sandwiches was was my, my favorite. Then yep. we're, we're, we're back. Um for an afternoon program, and then Dad would take us down the beach or somewhere where we get into nature. I can still remember walking around the the rocks yep. with my dad, yep. the rock pools, and yep. um, discovering all the animals. So Sabbath was an absolute delight, and I think that's what God offers you, isn't it, Hunty? Mm. That's what Sabbath is about, yep. time with yep. him. It's not what you can't do. It's what you can do with Jesus. It's a beautiful thing, and I invite you to experience a Sabbath. See what it will offer you. Mm. As I it. said to you before, you're going to get peace. He's going to rebuild you. He's going to restore you so that you can get out and you can go into what I would call, hunty, a very hostile world. Mm. And that's what the Sabbath is all about. True. Time with Jesus so you can survive on this planet. It's not a church thing, hunty. It's a you and God thing. I want to finish with prayer, my friend. Dear Lord Jesus, Sabbath is a beautiful thing. we we'll have spend just a few moments reflecting on it today. And I pray that our listeners will just get a a sense of how beautiful it is, and may have that experience that I have had in their lives too, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you get a chance, go to church. Mm-hmm. Experience Enjoy Sabbath. the Sabbath. Yep. Spend some time with God in Bible study and prayer. You will be deeply, deeply blessed. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor.
2: And my name's Hunty, and we love you. We love you so much. But Jesus,
1: the great God of the Sabbath.
2: Loves you so much more. See you next time. See you next time.
0: Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv.